Good evening, good evening, good evening, and welcome to Ignite Depot. My name is Apostle Milton Jones. I want to thank you for taking the time out to join us tonight. And this is the day which the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and let us be exceeded and glad. Man, there's something about technology that no matter how well you plan it out, man, something inevitably is going to happen. And it always happens when you get ready to go live. Sometimes you, if you got, if you can't laugh, man, this is what you got to just take time to laugh at the situation, laugh at yourself, laugh. You know, it says in the word of God, a merry heart is good like a medicine. So just go ahead and take a good dose of medicine tonight in the name of Jesus. We're so glad that you took time out to join us. Man, we got a great word. God has an awesome word for tonight. I guarantee you this word is going to change your life forever in the name of Jesus. So we're going to go ahead and jump right in. We're going to make our declaration and we're going to go ahead and get started here in the name of Jesus. Now we're making this declaration in accordance with Isaiah 61 and 1, which says this. It says that the spirit of the Lord God is upon me because he has anointed me. To bring, preach good tidings unto the meek, he sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captain and open of the prison to them that are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord, a day of vengeance of our God, and to comfort all who mourn. To appoint unto them that mourn in Zion, to give them to them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they might be called the trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he might be glorified. And verse four says this, it says, and they shall build the old ways. Hey, and he says, and they shall shall raise up the former desolations and they shall repair the way cities, the desolation of many generations. Who did he say was going to do all those things? He said, those who the spirit of the Lord is upon, which includes you, it includes me, it includes everybody who's in the body of Christ, who's ever named the name of Jesus. So let's go ahead and pray and jump right into the word of God in the name of Jesus. Say this with me. Say, Father, in the name of Jesus, we give you all the glory, the honor, and praise that's due your name. Father, this is the day which you've made. Let us rejoice and let us be exceeding glad. I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Father, let our preaching and teaching not be with enticing words of man's wisdom, but let it be a demonstration of spirit and power, that the faith of the people lie not in the wisdom of men, but in the power of the Most High God. Father, right now, let my tongue be the tongue, the pen of a ready writer writing the very oracles of your word on the tablets of their hearts. Father God, all of you and none of me. Father, may you be glorified in all that I say and do. I covenant with you for miracles, signs, wonders, manifestations of the gifts of the Holy Spirit as you see fit. Father, to you alone be all the glory, all the honor, and all the praise that's due your name. In Jesus' name we pray. Let us all say, Amen. Now, if I was to give this message a title, the title of the message tonight would be, It's a Fixed Fight. <laughs> say it with me. It's a fixed fight. Turn to your neighbor say, neighbor, it's a fixed fight. Turn to one more person and say, hey, neighbor, it's a fixed fight. And then point to yourself and say, hey, it's a fixed fight. Now, why would you say it's a fixed fight? I said that to say, Lord, why would you say it's a fixed fight? And he says, this is, he says, he says it's a fixed fight because a fixed fight is when you go into it already knowing what the end result is going to be. 
He said it's a fixed fight because when you go into the fight, you already know what the end result is going to be. Now, we talked about this last week that God was bringing us out. He says, I'm bringing you out. I'm bringing you out. And see, the thing about God is we talked about this last week as well, that God always, God always God always lets his people know what he's going to do before he does. In fact, God told me to remind you in accordance to Isaiah 43 and 18. He says, do not remember the former things, neither consider the things of old. Behold, I'm doing a new thing. He says, shall you not know it? God's saying to you and he's saying to me, he's saying to everybody around the world who, who has ears to hear, hey, I'm doing a new thing. And, and before I even do it, I'm going to let you know that I'm doing. He says, shall you not know it? He says, and I'm going to make roads in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. He says, I'm going to make the seemingly impossible possible for all those who make a decision to believe. See, God always declares the end from the very beginning. And that's what we're doing. That's why he says it's a fixed fight. He says it's a fixed fight because you know from the very beginning how this thing is going to end. He says, and according to Isaiah 46 and 10, he says he's declaring from, he's declaring the end from the very beginning. So if you're in a test, if you're in a trial, you're in a tribulation, man, God is saying, declare the end from the very beginning. Glory be to God. See, God never does anything in the earth without first telling my prophecy, he says, so that they can sound the alarm, sound the alarm to his people to alert him. He says that I'm bringing them out. God says, I'm bringing you out. Turn to somebody and say, God is bringing you out. Turn to somebody to your left. I say, God is bringing you out. Turn to one more person and say, God is bringing you out. Now, we talked about last week how when God says he's bringing you out, he's bringing you out of what? See, in accordance with Colossians chapter one, verse 13, he says that he says for he talking about God, he talking about what Jesus did for us on the cross. He said he rescued us from the domain of darkness or the kingdom of darkness and has transferred us over into the kingdom of his dearly beloved son in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sin. See, when you got born again, you didn't just join a local church. You joined a body of Christ. And see, you was translated from one kingdom into another. Now, when you hear a lot of people say the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God. But what is the kingdom of God? In its simplest definition, the kingdom of God is God's governing system of influence over a domain or a territory, impacting it with his nature, his culture, and his lifestyle. So the kingdom of God is God's influence over a territory, over, over a domain. It's a governing system. It is, it's not religion. It's a governing system that God already has set up, was set up from the even before the foundation of the world to do what? To, to impact that territory or impact the, the people with his culture, his nature, and his lifestyle. So when you got born again, you were not only, you did not only come from, 
from out of sin. You didn't only replace that nature of sin with the nature of God. You were translated from one kingdom or one dominion of darkness, which was influenced and is still in operation today. The kingdom of darkness is still trying to influence have its influence or have its governing system to influence over a domain to do what? To impact it with his nature, his culture, and his lifestyle. That's what it was all about all the way back in the Garden of Eden. The adversary wanted to set up on earth just like he desired to have it in heaven. And when he got kicked out of heaven, guess what he did? He says, I know what I'm going to do. That man has the authority. He has the dominion. He has the rulership. He has the authority. Authority. So what I'm going to do, this is what the adversary did. He says, I can't take it from him. I can't make him give it to me, but I can pervert his truth with his with my words. And that's what the adversary still does. He perverts truth with his words to take something that is truth to turn it into a lie. And how, what did he do? He went to Adam and he went to, he went to Eve and he, and he heard, he knew the truth, but he he suggested something to Eve that was opposite of what it is God said. And the thing about deception, ladies and gentlemen, all deception has a measure of truth. Or you, you would automatically, man, that ain't true. But when you have a measure of truth that goes along with it with a twist, that's why it's called wickedness. Because wickedness simply means twisted. So what happened? God says that when I sent my son, Jesus, he died on the cross, was raised from the dead, placed his blood on the mercy seat before the throne of God. Guess what happened? When you say, hey, I receive what it is. I believe what it is Jesus did for me on the cross. Guess what happens? You are transferred from the influence. Listen to that. You're transferred from, from, transferred from the Influence of the governing system of darkness with its nature and its lifestyle and culture, and you're transferred over into the kingdom of God, where now you're operating according to God's governing influence over a territory to influence it with his nature, his culture, and his lifestyle. You said, man, if that's the truth, why haven't I been seeing it? Because God's people are destroyed for their lack of knowledge. Most people don't know that. They think all they is a religious. That's why people say, you know, you're you're religious. You're religious. I tell people all the time, I'm not religious at all. I have a relationship. I'm a citizen of the kingdom of God. I'm a child of the most high God. I, the same rights that Jesus have, I have. They say, how can you say that? I said, I didn't say that. That's what the word of God said in Romans chapter eight. He says that he says that we have been transferred. He says you have been delivered. From, from uh, you, he says, you've been delivered from. Oh, let me see. Let me slow it down. He says, you are you don't no longer have received the fear, spirit of fear again to receive, but you are this. You have received the spirit of adoptions, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. He says, he so he says so. The Spirit, the Holy Spirit, bears witness with your spirit that you're not only just a son of God. He says, but you're an heir of God and you're a joint heir with Jesus Christ. In other words, whatever it is that Jesus Christ has, you have. Jesus had the Holy Spirit, you have the Holy Spirit. Jesus had the word of God, you have the word of God. Jesus had the anointing, you have the anointing. Are you beginning to see this? Jesus had authority over the adversary, you have authority over the adversary in Jesus name. Now, 
part of our responsibility, part of my mandate is to represent God, representing God to show the world who God truly is and what his desire is for their life. Now, why do we call this a fixed fight? Because God told me and he announced, he said, announce this to my people today. He says, because most people don't know me as this. He says, he says, I am Jehovah Mafati. Jehovah Mafati. Jehovah Mafati means the Lord is our deliverer. The Lord is our deliverer. So when you're in a fixed fight, when you got a situation and circumstances going on, you got to know that Jehovah Mafate is your deliverer. You say, how do you know that he's my deliverer? Because he was the one who said it. If you read Psalms chapter 91 and reading verse number 14, he says this. He's, and this is David. He's, he's declaring that, Lord, you are my refuge. You are my fortress. You are my God. It's in you I put all my trust. And then Jesus is talking. And then the third person who's in this conversation is God. And this is what God said in regards to what David said. He says this. He says, because he, talk about David, has set his love upon me. He says, therefore, I will deliver him. I will set him on high because he has known my name. Now, if you look up that Hebrew word deliver in verse number 14, it, it means to cause to escape. God, so if you go back and read that same verse, it says this, because he has set his love upon me, therefore I will cause him to escape. I will set him on high because he has known my name. So Jehovah Mephite will cause you to escape. But then if you read, read in verse number 15, the reason why I'm pointing this out to you, and the reason why God is telling me to point this out to you is because if you read in verse 15, it says deliver too, but it's used talking about something altogether different. Verse 15 says, he shall call upon me or you shall call upon him. And God says, and I will answer you. So when you call upon God, God says, I will answer you you. He goes on and says, and he says, and I will be with you in trouble. You know how in Psalms 23, it says, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they shall comfort me. So he's saying here, he says, if you call upon me, I will answer you. He says, I will be with you in trouble. So even if you're in, in test trials and tribulations right now, know that God is in it with you right now. He goes on to say, he says, I will be with you in trouble. And this is the second word for deliverance. He says, I will be with you in trouble. But he also says this. He says, and I will deliver him and honor him. God says, I will deliver him and honor him. But this Hebrew word for deliver in this verse means I will equip him to fight. I will strengthen him. So in one verse, one verse it says, I will cause him to escape. The next verse says that I will equip him to fight and to strengthen him. So sometimes we're looking for God to just bring us out of the situation and circumstances. God, don't you understand what I'm going through? God, I just can't deal with this anymore. And God says, I have equipped you. I have equipped you and strengthened you 
to fight. And or it might be a situation where God says, I will deliver you out of this situation. You say, give, give a prime example. Remember when Paul said in 2 Corinthians, I believe it's chapter 12, verse 9, when it's talking about he was he besought God three times to 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 get that he, he was being buffeted by the adversary because he was a messenger of Satan buffeting Paul. And Paul prayed to God three times. And Lord, it's like, Lord, would, will you please deal with this situation? And what was God's response? He says, my grace, my supernatural power, my dutimous miracle working power is sufficient. It's more than enough for you. That's a word for somebody. God says his grace is sufficient for you. It's more than enough. He's, 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 he's equipped you. He has strengthened you to fight. But then in another situation, Paul was was is, was being threatened by religious leaders and they was going to come and kill him. And what did God do? He caused Paul to be delivered out of their hands. He caused him to escape. You says, well, how do you know if he's going to strengthen me or how do you know he's going to cause me to escape? That's why you have to have a prayer life. And what does a prayer life do? That means you're communicating with God. God's, you're communicating to God. God's communicating to you. And he says, when you call upon me, I'm going to answer you. And he says, and I will deliver you. He says, I'll be with you in trouble and I will deliver you. Now, Psalms chapter 18. Glory to God. Psalms chapter 18. Still talking about Jehovah Mephati. The Lord, our deliverer. He says this in Psalms chapter 18, verse 2. He says this. He says, the Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer. He says, my God, my strength and whom I will trust. He's my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. Glory to God. He says, I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised so shall I be saved from my enemy. So God, again, remember, one time in deliverance says he will cause you to escape. The next time he says, I'll be with you in trouble. I will equip you and I will strengthen you. Now, glory to God. Ooh, hallelujah. Now, somebody, God is telling me to pray for somebody tonight. He told, he gave me this word specific. He said this to me this morning. He says, I'm taking sickness away from them. He says, I'm taking sickness out of the midst of them. He says, he says, there's people who are, who are dealing with sicknesses and disease and infirmities, and you're being attacked on every side. It is drying up your resources, your provisions, and your finances. And God says, I am taking sickness out of the midst of you. You say, how do you know that he has that word for me? Well, in accordance to Exodus chapter 23, verse 25, he says this. He says, so shall you serve the Lord your God. He says, and he will bless your bread and your water. And God says, I will take sickness away from the midst of you. God says, so no one shall suffer miscarriage or be barren in your land. I will fulfill the number of your days. So God is not only going to take sickness out of the midst of you, but God says he's going to fulfill 
the number of your days. Now, it might be in a family member. It might be a friend. It might be a spouse. It might be a co-worker. You're standing right there in the gap. So we're going to release our faith concerning that right now in the name of Jesus. Father, right now, in the name of Jesus, in accordance to your word, you said that you would take sickness away from the midst of us. Therefore, we declare in Jesus' name, sickness and disease, firmities and bacteria and viruses. We command you to go right now in the name of Jesus. You take your hands off the children of God. You take your hands off our friends, our co-workers, our neighbors, our loved ones, our children. You will take your hands off of them right now in the name of Jesus, and you will touch them no more. They shall fulfill the full number of their days in the name of Jesus. Therefore, I declare that you will restore all that was taken, all that was wasted, all that was stolen, every resource, every provision, every, every, every ounce of strength, peace and, that has been removed from them, it is restored unto them now in the name of Jesus. And we declare and decree it right now in the name of Jesus. They are healed right now from the crown of their heads to the very soles of their feet. Father God, you and there's nothing missing. There's nothing broken. There's nothing like it. Say that with me. There's nothing missing. There's nothing broken. There's nothing lacking. I will fulfill the full number of my days. In Jesus' name, amen and glory to God. Now, why would we start off the, the message or the service just like that? Because God says, I need my people to know who I am and what my desire is for their life. Sickness and disease is not the desire of God for your life. Poverty and lack is not the, God, the desire for the, your life. Confusion, depression, fear, and anxiety is not the desire of God for your life. In fact, he said 2023 will be the year of the blessing of the Lord. 2023 is the year of the blessing of the Lord. And according to Proverbs chapter 20. Proverbs chapter 10, verse 22, it says this out of the New Standard American Bible says this. It's the blessing of the Lord that makes rich and he adds no sorrow with it. Who did he say? Whose blessing did he say? God's blessing. It's the blessing of God that makes you rich. And it adds no sorrow with it. Now that blessing means the prosperity. So it's the prosperity of the Lord that makes you rich. That word rich there means glory to God. That word rich and, and prosperity means this. It says the word blessing means to be to, to have prosperity. The word rich means to accumulate or to grow. And he says, so the, it is the blessing of the Lord that makes you rich or causes you to grow or causes you to accumulate. And he says, and he adds no sorrow, sorrow, meaning toiling or labor to it. So when you're operating according to the blessing of the Lord, when you're operating according to the prosperity of the Lord, it makes you, gives you the ability to accumulate and to grow. And he says, and it, he adds no toiling, no laborer, uh, uh, no sorrow with it. Why did he say that? He says, because sorrow, if you read it in the Amplified Version, he says, and no amount of sorrow will increase it. So no amount of toiling, no amount of labor will increase it and cause it to grow. Be 
even higher. So you can work all you want outside of the blessing of the Lord. It won't cause it to grow. But when you operate according to the blessing of the Lord, the prosperity of the Lord, it causes you to be able to increase or accumulate. It causes you to grow and it is without toiling and without labor. Now, another thing about God in this year, he says, in accordance to Deuteronomy 28 and 18, it says, it is God who gives you and me the power to get wealth. Now, again, let's not get caught up thinking that wealth means money alone because you already found out you can be you can have a million dollars and be sick and you just somebody who's has a million dollars and you still have sickness and disease because Money will buy you medicine, but it can't buy you healing. We talked about this, how, how money can get you a date, but it can't get you a family. You found out how money can buy you a house, but it doesn't cause you to have a home. In other words, money answers many things, but money doesn't answer everything. And God says, my desire for you, the blessing that I have for you will cause you to be prosperous. It will cause you to be rich or, or accumulate and to grow. And he says, and it is not going to be a result of your toiling or labor in order to cause it to come. Now, does that mean you don't have to do nothing? It doesn't mean that at all, which you're about to find out here. Deuteronomy chapter 8 and 18 says, it's, it is God who gives you the power to get wealth. He says, it's in, and he says it's in the verse, he says, you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you power to get wealth. Now, what does that word power mean? That word power means he's giving you the ability. He's giving you the means. He's giving you the might. He's giving you the strength and he's enabled you and he's equipped you. So it's, if you read it again, it says it is God who gives you the means, the ability, the strength, the might, the enablement and the equipment in order for you to get Wealth. Wealth is not talking about having a bunch of money. Wealth means having the ability to meet your needs and also be a blessing to somebody else. Now, we talked about this last week, how that word uh, enable, when he's going to enable you, what does enabling mean? That means to make able, to supply with power, with physical or moral, or, or furnish you with sufficient power or ability. So he's going to enable you. He's going to he's going to enable you with to be to supply with power, with physical or moral to furnish you with sufficient power and ability. He also will equip you. That word equip you is to furnish you with whatever is necessary. So whatever you need to be able to gain wealth, whatever you need to be able to 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 uh, to succeed, he says, I'm going to equip you with it. And then lastly, he says, I'm not only going to enable you, I'm not only going to equip you, he says, but I'm going to empower you. Empower you, meaning that he's going to give you legal or moral power or authority. In other words, he says, I'm going to authorize you. I'm going to authorize you to, in order for you to get wealth, in order for you to have more than enough, which means you're going to have to operate and use the ability, the means, the strength, the might, the enablement, and the equipment that God is going to place on you to in, or, in order for you to succeed. See that? The thing about it is, is it's an empowerment. It's an enablement. It's an equipment, which means you have a part 
and God has a part. Can I give you a word? God's already done his part. Did you hear that? God has already done his part. And the fact that this year, he says, that the fact that they pushed the the reason why he says, I'm telling you all this at the very beginning of the year, because situations and circumstances will arise where you're going to need to know how to operate according to that equipping, that enablement, and that empowerment, which will cause you to be able to Operating that blessing, which will cause you to gain prosperity, to cause you to be able to accumulate and to grow without toiling and without labor. And he says, and I have a reason why I'm going to deliver you first so you can be able to deliver somebody else. How do you know that? Well, in accordance to Genesis chapter 12, verse number one, he says this. He says that he's talking to Abraham. He told Abraham, he said, Abraham. This is what he said. He says, now the Lord said to Abram, he said this, he says, go forth from your country. That's a word for somebody. And he says, and from your relatives, that's really a word from somebody. And he says, and from your father's house to the land, which I will show you. And God says this, he says, and I will make you a great nation. And he goes on and says, and I will bless you and I will make your name great. And he says, I will, and you shall be a blessing. And God says, and I will bless those who bless you and those who curse you, they shall be cursed. He says, and in you shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Now, when he's talking about blessing, most people, when they think about blessing, they automatically think about money. The blessing that enables you, equips you. Uh, empowers you to be able to get those things, but the it's not about the money. It's not about the house. It's not about the car. It's not about the job. All those things are tools that enable you to help somebody else. So he says, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to increase you. I'm going to cause you to accumulate. I'm going to cause you to grow. And it's not going to be as a result of your toiling or your labor. And when I bring you out, when I bring you out of the kingdom of darkness and you're operating according to the kingdom of God, God's influence uh, or his governing system of influence over a territory to impact his will, his nature, his lifestyle and his culture. He says, when I bring you out, I'm expecting you to bring somebody else out. See, God all is very methodical. When he sent Jesus, he sent Jesus as a seed for you and for me to do what? To bring us out of darkness into his marvelous light. Now, you say, man, you keep talking about the kingdom of God. Where is this place at? Where is the kingdom of God? Where is God's influencing system that will impact this territory, this land, with his culture, his, his lifestyle, and his nature. Where is this system? Where is this governance system at? God says that's simple. It's on the inside of you. And according to Luke chapter 17 and verse 21, he says this. He says, he says, nor will they say, see here or see there, for indeed the kingdom of God is within you. The kingdom of God is is within you. God's operating system is in you. Well, how did it get there when you got born again? The moment that you got born again, God's governing system, his influencing, his, his, his influencing system over territory and over a, a domain, he says, it, 
which impacts with the nature, lifestyle, and culture, it's on the inside of you. See, so many people are looking for it in this person and in that person, and God says, it's already on the end. If you're born again, it's already on the inside of you. You says, well, why am I not seeing it in my life? He says, because if you, you cannot operate in something that you know nothing about. And he says, and what I'm going to do through this year and what I'm going to do over these next few weeks, he says, I'm going to teach you what the kingdom of God is and how to operate in that system. See, we already found out he is Jehovah. Mafate, the Lord, our deliverer, and his desire is to deliver us either by way of causing us to escape or strengthening us to be able to stand. But now that you know, what does he want you to do? He wants you as a citizen of the kingdom to go and share that with somebody else. You have been blessed with that. You have been, been empowered. You've been equipped. You have been enabled. How did he do that? Through his word. He had me share the word with you, just like Jesus did with his disciples. Jesus will share the word with his disciples, and then he would tell his disciples, now go and tell others what I have shared with you. That's what it all, that whole, you know, Matthew chapter 28, 18 is all about. He says, he says, he says this. He says, all authority has been given to me in heaven. Now you go. He says, and teach. You go and make disciples, teaching them to observe whatsoever I have said unto you. What Jesus said to them, he told them, no, you go out and you share with somebody else. What God has had me to share with you tonight, he says, no, you go out and you share it with somebody else. You said, well, 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 how, how will somebody enter into the kingdom of God? Well, Jesus said this in John chapter three, and this is where we're going to wrap up. Jesus said, in order for you to enter into the kingdom of God, in order for you to, to be able to operate according to God's governing system of influence over a domain, a territory, impacting it with his will, his nature, and his culture, he says, in order for you to even enter into, that, into the kingdom, for you to even see the kingdom, you must be born again. He said this in John chapter three, verse three, he says, Jesus answered and said to him, he said this to him, he says, truly, truly, I say unto you, unless one is born again, he cannot see, comprehend, understand, or perceive the kingdom of God, God's way of doing things. Verse number five says this, he says, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and of the spirit, he or she cannot enter into God's way of doing things. So unless you are born again, you can't operate in God's governing system. Unless you're born again, you won't even be able to see, comprehend, or understand God's way of doing things. But then you ask, man, how do I get born again? What Jesus goes on to say in John chapter three, verse number 16, John chapter three, Verse number 16, he says that the God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth on him should not perish, but have eternal life. In fact, he goes on and say, verse 17, that God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that is that the world through his son might be saved, healed, set free, delivered and made whole. He also goes on to say in Ephesians chapter two, 
verse number eight, he says, it's, for, it's by grace you have been saved through faith, and not of yourself. It is a gift of God, lest any man should boast. There's no way you can earn your salvation. There's no way that you can do enough good works in order for you to be born again. There's not enough good that you can do to outweigh your bad. It's not enough for you to say, you know, a, a few prayers. He says to be, truly be born again means your spirit has been regenerated, reproduced, made new. That old sin nature has been removed. He's replaced it with the with the nature of God. And you also receive the Holy Spirit who is your comforter, your helper, your advocate, your intercessor, your strengthener and standby. That's how you begin to grow in the things concerning the kingdom of God. And I'd like to give you an opportunity to do that with me tonight. It's so simple, so simple a child can do it. In fact, in accordance to Romans chapter 10, verses 8, 9, and 10, it says this. It says, the word of God is near you. It's in your heart. It's in your mouth. It says, it's the word of faith that we preach. That if you will confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and you'll believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. But with the heart, man believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. So make pray this prayer with me. Make the decision today. Today is going to be my day one. And he say this with me. Confess it out of your mouth and read it from your heart. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, I do believe Jesus Christ is the Son of God. I believe he died for me on the cross and carried my sins for me. I believe he was put in a grave, but now he's risen. He's alive right now. Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Save me now. I turn from my sins and I receive your offer of forgiveness. Lord, Thank you for saving me. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for delivering me. I receive it now. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you prayed that prayer for the very first time or you rededicated your life, man, we want to welcome you, welcome you into the kingdom of God, welcome you into right position, and welcome you into right relationships. So what do you do now? Man, you got to get in a word-based church that teaches you about the death barrel resurrection of Jesus Christ. We'll also teach you about the kingdom of God and the love of God. We know that Ignite Depot is such a place. So if you want to join us here each Saturday at 6 p.m. with men, we'd love to have you as we share our right now word that will ultimately change your life forever. We don't, we don't just say what the word is, but we want to teach you how to apply it to your everyday life. Now, if you miss this broadcast on, on Saturday, man, check us out on on Thursday at 6 p.m., we'll rebroadcast the same broadcast. Or, hey, we have a podcast. It's called a Night to Life podcast. You can you can subscribe. You can follow it. You can like it. And, and you can hear this message and all the other messages we've done before now. Now, on behalf of Pastor Juwin and the entire Ignite family, we want to thank you for joining us tonight. And remember this. It's a fixed fight. It's a fixed fight because you're declaring from the beginning how this thing is going to end. We'll see you next week. God bless you. Bye-bye.